In our previous few shiurim, we've been discussing the idea of potential and actualizing potential. And how male perfectly reflects the idea of potential, and how female represents the idea of actualizing that potential. In yesterday's shiur, we discussed the idea of chesed, din, and teferis. How chesed represents that infinite outflow, that spark of potential, something boundless, something endless. Din represents making that potential real, giving it boundaries, constricting the potential, limiting it, giving it a framework. And teferis represents the perfect harmony between those two opposites. How you don't limit it too much, but you don't limit it too little. It's the perfect limiting of that potential in order to give it that perfect harmony and balance. So we ended off last year in the middle of our discussion of chesed, din, and teferis. Now, before we take it a step further, let's reestablish the important questions that we want to develop. Number one is why is Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov always compared to chesed, din, and teferis? What does Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov have to do with these three? Why is Avram, Chesed, Yitzchak, Din, and Gvura, and Avram, Teferis? And number two is why is Din such an ideal? The Midrash says in Parshas Bereshus, Perak Aleph, that Hashem originally wanted to create the world with Midas Hadin. All of the Machshava, it arise in the Kosh Baruch's mind to create the world with Midas Hadin. And then HaKosh Baruch decided to create the world with Midas Harachim. Midas Rachamim, once again, representing Teferes. So what does Midas Adin mean? What does it mean to build the world with Midas Adin? And what does it mean that he replaced it with Midas Rachamim? And the Ramchal is very medayik in Mizlash Hashar, and he says that if you read the Midrash very carefully, it doesn't say a Baruch who replaced Midas Adin with Midas Rachamim. It says he mixed in and added Midas Rachamim to Midas Adin. So what does that mean, to mix Rachamim with Din? It seems, at least at first glance, that Rachamim is different than Din. So how can they both coexist? This seems to be somewhat of a paradox. So hopefully, we can understand, number one, a deeper understanding of Chesed today. We're going to delve into the idea of Chesed. Number two, we want to understand how Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov are parallel to Chesed, Din, and Tiferes. And thirdly, we want to understand why HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to create the world Midas HaDin. What does it mean that he added in Midas HaRachamim? And how can Mias Harachim and Mias Adin coexist? That's the goal for today's year. So let's start by developing a deeper understanding of Chesed. The simple understanding of Chesed is kindness, loving kindness. But Chesed is such a deep idea, and today we're going to develop a very deep understanding of all the different aspects of Chesed. So the first aspect of Chesed that we want to develop is the difference between giving by creating dependency and giving by creating independency. Because there are three different ways of giving chesed, of let's say giving tzedakah. The first way to give is to simply give a poor person some money. person comes to your door, knocks on your door, asks if you can spare a couple dollars, and you give the ani some money. That's very nice. But the problem with that is that the ani is still dependent on you. However, there's another form of tzedakah, which is a much nicer, a much greater form of tzedakah, which is when you not only give the person money, but you loan the person money. So you give them a sense of independency. But the greatest form of chesed 
is not that you just give the person money, and not that you give him a loan, but that you get him a job. Because in that sense, you give him complete independence. He doesn't feel like you're really giving him hand as you're giving him money. No. Now he's earning his money. That's why, what's the term for chesed that we use? Gemilas chasadim. Gomel literally means to wean. That's such a strange way of saying doing chesed. To wean, a mother weans her child when she stops breastfeeding. She stops nursing the child. She stops giving the child milk. So why would we say chesed is when you stop giving? Because the deepest form of chesed is when you create independency. It's very nice if you're giving tzedakah, you feel so nice. I'm the source of this person's money. I'm the source of this person's income. But when you create independency, that's the greatest form of chesed. Because you make him independent of you. The, the immature person wants to make the ani feel dependent on him. Because it makes him feel good. That's selfish. But when you give the ani independence, that's the greatest form of chesed. That's why we talked about last year how the greatest mother creates independency for her child. doesn't squash a child and make the child so dependent on her, but as the child gets further and further away, the mother gives more and more independence. So it starts off in the womb where the child is completely dependent on the mother, then the mother is nursing the child, and then she weans the child off, and then the child goes a little further away, then goes more, you know, goes out into the world, goes to school, gets an education, then gets married. And as each stage progresses, the mother has to let go and let the child become a little more independent. And we talked about the beauty of that principle, which is that the more that the mother gives independency and lets the child go away, so to speak, the more the child will come back. But the more the mother wants to squish the child and, and suffocate the child and smother the child with love and not let the child go at all, the more the child is going to be in a rush to just get out of there. And that's the beauty, which is the more independence you create in that relationship, the more the child will come back. But this is the deep idea, which is that the greatest form of chesed is to create independency. And the same principle goes for teaching. The greatest teachers are the one that creates independency. The worst teachers are the one that create complete dependency. So for example, if a teacher just teaches you facts, then if you're not getting that sort if you're not getting the ideas from the teacher, then you're not getting any more ideas. You're only as much as the teacher gives you. You're completely dependent on the teacher. But the teacher teaches you how to think. He teaches you principles, fundamentals, teaches you how to learn, then you will be able to become independent of that teacher. And even when a teacher is no longer there, you'll still be able to continue the process of growth and learning because the teacher has created an independent learner. So the greatest teachers are the ones that create independent students. And that's why the mission of us in Perak Aleph, the second mission, says, which literally means to stand up Many students, stand them up on their own. Make them independent. Teach them how to learn. Don't just tell them your ideas. Teach them how to come up with ideas. Teach them how to develop their minds. When you learn a sugya and shas, you don't want to just know the Rishonim. You want to delve into it, and the teacher should show the Talmud how to learn the sugya, how to develop the, the complete framework of that sugya. Not just tell them shitos. Because when you understand how to learn, you have a tool and that tool can be used throughout life. But if you're just given the facts, you don't build the tools, and you can't learn independently.
So that's the greatest form of chesed, is to create independence. It's also why HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we discussed in the second year, how HaKadosh Baruch Hu created this world and gave us free will, so that we can create our own Olam Haba, so we can earn it ourselves, so that we don't feel like we're just getting free handouts, but we're developing and earning it on our own, which is the greatest chesed of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that's the first principle, which is dependency versus independency, and how the greatest chesed is creating independency. The second aspect of chesed is reactive versus proactive. First, let's establish someone who's reactive. Let's say an onion comes to your door and asks you for money. So you see someone in front of you who needs money, who's in dire need, and you respond to that need. You react to that need and you give tzedakah. That's very nice. But someone who's proactive would look for opportunities to give, would go out searching for opportunities to help people. So in Nafkamina, a practical application would be, let's say no one comes knocking on your door. Someone who is about staka would just simply wait for someone else to come. If no one's coming, no one's coming. But a Baal Chesed would go out looking for opportunities to do good. Doesn't just respond, but goes out and looks for opportunities. So for example, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created this world. No one asked HaKadosh Baruch Hu to create this world. No one there was no cause, there was no reason why Hashem had to do this. Hashem spontaneously decided to give us this good, to create this world for us. It's the greatest chesed, completely proactive. Avram Avinu. No one came knocking on Avram Avinu's door. Avram Avinu, on the third day of his Mila, on the most painful day, went out looking for opportunities to give to people. Opened up all the doors of his tents so that everyone and anyone that came in would know that Avram was going to give to them. Avram wanted to help people. He wasn't just going to respond. He went out looking. That's why the Gemara says in Sukkot, in the fifth parak, that chesed is greater than staka. It gives three examples why chesed is better than staka. Number one, you can only give staka to the poor, but you can even do chesed to the rich. You can only give staka with money, but you can even do staka with your body and with time and with effort. And you can only do staka to the living, but you can even do chesed for the dead. So the misconception, as the Maharal explains, is that chesed is only quantitatively better than staka. Meaning that you can do chesed in more ways than you can do staka. But the Maharal explains so amazingly that chesed is qualitatively better than staka. As we've been explaining, chesed is obviously you're creating independency, not just dependency. And it's proactive, not just reactive. So chesed is qualitatively greater than staka. And that's why a chesed is greater than tzaddik. Because a tzaddik is someone who does exactly what he needs to do. A chassid is someone who goes beyond what he needs to do. That's why in Mesil Yesharim, the Ramchal has many different stages of development. The first stage is becoming a tzaddik. But the second and much greater stage is becoming a chassid. So tzaddik, tzaddaka, is doing what you need to do. Chassid is going beyond. It's much more. And last but not least, something very important when it comes to chassid, is someone who's a real bal chassid gives to those who are able to receive, and gives what people are able to receive. Meaning, kind of what we've been explaining before in terms of teaching, a teacher should give the student what he's able to receive. Not something more than he's capable of receiving, because then you'll ruin him. If you teach too much, or you teach something too complicated, you'll destroy the child. But if you teach too little, you'll also not give the child what he needs. That perfect balance of chesed is giving exactly what the child needs. Challenging the student, but not too much, not too complicated. Just enough that he's able to, to grow and maximize his potential. So let's take this a step further. There's a very, very interesting 
question when it comes to giving. Which is, when you give something, do you lose that which you give? Seemingly, at least the initial assumption is, of course you lose what you give. But that's not necessarily true. Now, there's different forms of giving. When you give things, like let's say you give money, so obviously when it comes to um, like the deeper ideas, the system is that when you give tzedakah, you get it back. But literally, when you give money, you do lose the money. But even though you're losing the money, you're building a connection with the person you're giving to. So even when you're giving, you're getting. When you give to someone, you build a connection with them. There's a very deep element of this, which is when you give yourself to something, you see yourself in that. So when you give your time and effort to, let's say, writing a song, or working on a paper, working on a project, or developing and giving yourself to your children, you see yourself in everything you're giving yourself to. So you see yourself in that thing you created. You see yourself in your children. And you love that which you give yourself to. So when you give tzedakah, when you give yourself to someone, you give your time and effort, you give help to someone, or you give someone advice, or you give someone, um, let's say you, you, you lend something to someone. In all these cases, you're expanding yourself to include someone else. And that's how you build a connection with someone else. So even when you give things, you don't really lose, you gain. But when you give ideas, when you give wisdom, you don't lose that which you give. That's the brilliance of giving ideas. That's the brilliance of teaching. Is when you teach, you don't lose anything. As a matter of fact, and this is the, the irony, when you teach, not only don't you lose, but you gain even more. Because when you, look, when you have to teach something, first of all, you are forced to organize and develop and understand the ideas on a much deeper level. And the very act of giving over the ideas helps you learn and understand the ideas in a much better way. So those who teach learn a tremendous amount just from the fact that they have to teach it. And obviously, someone who, learns, someone who teaches learns from the students he teaches. Those students ask questions and challenge the teacher and force the teacher to rethink things. And you learn in so much of a better way when you teach. So you don't lose at all. You gain in every respect. And that's the amazing idea, which is a muscle for this, is fire. Fire, when it spreads, it doesn't lose anything itself. If you take a candle and you light another candle, you don't lose some of the flame from the candle. You don't lose anything. You just spread the fire. When you give ideas, you don't lose it all. But the deepest form of giving is giving the self. And we don't have time to discuss this fully right now. This is really the discussion of marriage. But when you, when you enter into a marriage, you give yourself completely to the other person. We discussed how marriage is when two people melt into a oneness. They give themselves completely to each other. And there's this nuclear explosion of two people melting into a single being. And it's extraordinary. But the irony... Well, let's first talk about people's fear. People fear that when you give yourself so much to someone, you lose your sense of self. You lose yourself. The irony is that when you give yourself completely to someone, you discover things about yourself that you never even knew existed. And when you give yourself to someone, you're really discovering yourself. And then you give that to the person. Then you discover more about yourself. And it's a never-ending process of melt, two people melting into oneness and two people discovering more and more about themselves. So you don't lose yourself at all when you give yourself to someone. You discover yourself. You find yourself. It's the greatest form of self-discovery. And that's why when you give, you don't lose at all. 
On the contrary, you gain the most when you give. Now we can understand how the concepts of chesed, gura, and tiferes relate to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. So just quickly to summarize, chesed represents that initial root, that initial outflow, that complete giving, the male, the potential. Gvura or din represents limiting, giving boundaries to that potential, constricting it and making it real, the female actualizing potential. And Teferis represents that harmony, that beauty of when the two melt into one is MS. So we re- remember we talked about last year how MS represents seemingly contradictory ideas that melt into a harmony, into a oneness. And Torah, so many different aspects of Torah melting into a oneness. That's the harmony of Teferis. So Avraham represents the male, represents Chesed. Why? Because Avraham, Av, father, Av. Avraham is literally the male, the root of Klyasrol, of all spirituality. He is the, he, he is the absolute infinite potential, that, that initial spark, the root of Klyasrol. And Avram represents Chesed. Avram was the paradigm of Chesed. On the third day of his Mila, he opened all the doors of his tent, and he went out looking for an opportunity to do Chesed. Hashem made it so hot that no one would come, and Avraham was in pain because he wanted to give, he wanted to do chesed. <laughs> and Akash Baruch Hu gave, sent him a lachim so that he can feel like he was fulfilling his, his purpose, which is to give chesed. So Avraham represents that initial root, that initial root of chesed, of outflow, of giving. But Yitzchak represents din, gvura which represents limiting that infinite potential in order to make something real. So for example, Yitzchak repeated everything that Avram did. He redug all of Avram's wells. He went back down to Mitzrayim just like Avram did. He said that Rivka is my sister just like Avram said Sarah is my sister. So what does that mean? Because Chesed represents outflow, boundlessness, always new, always doing more. But Gvura or Din represents limiting and making it real. So Yitzchak repeated everything Avram did, didn't uh, express uh, newness. He made what Avram created, he made it real. He ingrained it into Klai Yisrael. He, he repeated all of it. He restrained and, and exerted self-control in order to make it real. And that's why Yitzchak is known for Akedas Yitzchak. What does Akeda mean? It means binding, to constrict, to limit, to give boundaries, to bind, to tie down. Yitzchak exerted self-control. He told, the Mitra says that Yitzchak told Avram, tie me down. Tie me down so I don't move while you're doing the Shechita. Because Yitzchak represents Gvura, Gvura, strength. What is Gvura? Gevura is self-control. That's why the Mishnah in Avos says, Ezehu Gibur, who is someone who's strong? Not someone who lifts weights. Not someone who has a lot of muscles. Misha Kovesh Es Yitzro. Someone who overcomes and conquers, but more importantly, controls his Yitzro. What does it mean to control your Yitzro? Someone who's controlled by his Yitzro is controlled by his urges. So he has an urge to eat, so he has to eat. Or he has inappropriate or, let's say, sexual urges and he has no control over those. And he has a desire to sleep and he has no control over that. Someone who controls his Yitzhar is someone who uses, someone who manifests complete control. He doesn't, he's not controlled by his Yitzhar. He eats in order to live his life, in order to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. He sleeps in order to have energy, to, to fulfill his purpose in life. 
He doesn't, he's not controlled by his urge, his sexual urge. He manifests it appropriately. And that's the concept of kovish yitzro. It's when you have control over your yitzro. There are people who are literally enslaved by their yitzro. That they have some urge that comes up and they have to fulfill it. They have no control. But someone who manifests control over their urges, that's someone who represents gvura. That's real might. And that's why Chazal also referred to someone who is kovish yitzro as someone who is greater than someone who surrounds and besieges a city. Lochet ir. Why? Why give that analogy? Once again, it doesn't say someone who conquers a city. It says someone who besieges and surrounds a city. Why? Because besiege and surround represents control, to surround, to give borders, to give a framework, to control a city. But why is someone who is Kovish and Yisitra stronger than someone who is Kovish and Ir? Because it's much more difficult to control your own inner battle, to, to control your inner urges, than to control anything outside yourself. So to control a whole city is easier than to gain mastery and control over your Yetzer. And that's the real battle, is the inner battle, the battle within the mind. People are walking through the world, but you don't realize that everyone is facing an inner battle. Everyone. So Yitzchak represents the idea of Gvura, the idea of overcoming, overcoming that inner battle, exerting complete self-control. And Yaakov represents Tiferes. Tiferes, as we explained, is harmony. Harmony of seemingly contradictory opposites. And that's why you have Avram on the one hand, who's chesed, Yitzchak on the other extreme opposite, which is Din and Gvura, and you have the perfect balance and harmony of those two opposites, which is Yaakov. And Yaakov is, the, the, the essence of Yaakov was Emes. Right? Emes the Yaakov. And that's why Yaakov had such a difficult time lying to Esau, lying to Yitzchak, lying to Lavan, because his midah was MS. What's MS we established? Her MS is the melting together of seemingly contradictory opposites. I tell you the library is opened on Sunday. Then I tell you the library is closed on Sunday. What's going on? No, the library is open in the morning and closed in the evening. Ah, it's where Tiferes is that third principle which melts together seemingly contradictory opposites. And that's why Yaakov is a representation of Torah also. Why is Yaakov connected Torah? Because Torah has all these different ideas, but ilu ve'ilu divrim chayim. Why? Because they're all different perspectives, but they're all part of a holistic, bigger truth. And Yaakov represents that wholeness, that, that beautiful harmony of opposites. And that's also why Yaakov, all 12 of his children, all 12 of the Shvatim, stayed on the derech. Because whenever you have an extreme to one side... Things might not turn out one way. Avram is an extreme chesed. He has a Yishmael. Yitzchak is extreme gvura. He has an Esav. But Yaakov, which is that beautiful harmony, which is that elasticity, that flexibility, that balance, that's why all 12 of your children stayed on the derech. Now we can understand how Avram represents chesed, Yitzchak represents gvura and din, and Yaakov represents teferes. So now let's go back to our original question of why HaKadosh Baruch Hu originally wanted to create the world with Midas Hadin and why he saw the world couldn't exist that way and he decided to create the world with Midas HaRachamim. So first of all, like we established in our first year, there's a very important principle which we first need to establish. 
The misconception is that Hashem created the world with Midas Adin. He saw the world couldn't exist that way, so he changed his mind. But that's ridiculous, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is perfect, doesn't change his mind. But like we explained, based on the principle of the Ramchal and the Arizal, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu first gives us the ideal. First gives us the perfect, ideal vision and picture of what reality should be. Then takes it away and lets us earn it ourselves. So now let's understand why it would be the absolute ideal to build the world with Midas Adin. And then, why HaKadosh Baruch Hu ended up building the world with Midas HaRachimim, and why the Ramchal explains that doesn't mean he replaced Midas Adin with Midas HaRachimim, but rather he added and mixed Midas HaRachimim into Midas Adin. So let's go back to our second year. Why HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world? HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world to give to us, to give us the ultimate good, which is a connection, a relationship with Him. But as we established, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it, now we have to earn it ourselves. Because if he would have given it to us for free, then we would be the complete opposite of Hashem. He would be the giver, we would be the taker. We'd be the receiver. HaKadosh Baruch would have free will, we would have no free will. HaKadosh Baruch would be the creator, we would just be created. And if oneness, if connection is too like two people who are similar, melt into a oneness and get to experience and share each other and enjoy each other, how would we be able to truly enjoy Hashem in the best possible way if we were the exact opposite of Hashem? So Hashem created it in a way that we get to become godly. We get to become like Hashem. We're built with free will where we don't see Hashem. We don't see Hashem. You can look your whole, you can go through your entire life and not see Hashem. But you have free will to choose to see Hashem, to use your intellect, to use your mind, and to see past the surface. And to build that connection with Hashem, to build yourself, to build your intellect, to build your midos, to build your relationship with Hashem, and to develop yourself, to become godly, to build it yourself. And what's the result? What is your Olam Haba? Exactly what you build. That's Midas Hadin. Midas Hadin is you get exactly what you build. The Ramchal explains that when you die, you enjoy everything you are. You don't get something else. You get who you are, the consciousness you build, the mind you built, the understanding and connection with Hashem that you've built, the mitzvahs that you've built. The din, though, is nothing more. Remember, din is limitation. So you get exactly what you built, but nothing more. Now, that was the idealism of creation, which is Midas Adin. So what does it mean Hashem created the world Midas Adin? Hashem created the world that you get exactly what you deserve, but on the spot. Din, real din, strict Midas Adin, is you get Onish right on the spot. So let's say you did an Avera, you would get struck by lightning right there, right on the spot. Now, would there be free will if that happened? No. You see someone get struck by lightning when they do an Avera. You don't do an Avera anymore. So Akash Baruch created the world with free will. So therefore he added in Miyas HaRachemim, which is that you don't get Miyas HaDinyan. You don't get Onesh right away. You don't get what you deserve right away. But, as the Ramchal explains, he didn't take away Miyas HaDin. You still get exactly what you deserve. You still get exactly what you built. But... Hashem added Rachamim, so you have the opportunity to do tshuva. But how is there still Miyas Adin? Because if you don't do tshuva, you get exactly what you deserve, which is the Onish. But Hashem gives you space, He gives you time to do tshuva. Why does tshuva work? How is that Miyas Adin? How is that exactitude? You did the Avera, now you're not getting punished. Why does tshuva help? Because tshuva is changing who you are. It's going down to the root and becoming more, becoming someone else, becoming your better self. And therefore the address of the Avera is no longer on you. The person who did the Avera is no longer who you are. You're someone else. You're better. 
But what's the depth of tshuva? Tshuva from the root of shuv, which means to return, to go back to your root, to go back to the fetal stage like we developed in previous shirim. That your root is your perfected self. Your job in life is to go back to your root, to go back to everything you're capable of, to become the person you're meant to be, to develop yourself in every way possible. And as, Ram, as the Vilna Gon explains, you learn kol Torah kul in the womb, you become everything you are, you're perfect in the womb. Because the mouth taught you kol Torah kula, but at the end of your life, that same mouth is going to come over to you and say, did you build it? Did you build it yourself? Did you earn your perfection yourself? So the midas hadin is still there. You're going to get exactly what you deserve. You're going to get exactly what you build, but you choose whether to take advantage of the concept of tshuva, which is the rachamim. The rachamim, as the Ramchal explains, the Shaim, doesn't negate din. It just expands din and allows you, gives you the opportunity to get out of the onish by developing and changing yourself. And the real deep idea is that we are here in this world to become. We are here in this world to build ourselves. And the din of getting exactly what you are is the ultimate chesed. That's what we've been establishing, that the limitation of the infinite is not against chesed. It's making the chesed real. So the whole world, olam chesed yibana. Akash Baruch Hu created this world on the foundation of chesed. The whole world is chesed. Akash Baruch Hu didn't have to build the world. He chose to build the world proactively to give it to us. But our job is to take advantage and to, and to make that potential real. And that's the din. That's the idealism of din, is making that chesed real. At the end of our lives, we are going to be the people that we build. Now, the idealism is, like we've been explaining, is that tiferes, is that rachamim, is that balance, that perfect balance of taking advantage and making as much of the chesed real as possible. Then that turns the din into the ultimate chesed, which is maximizing the potential as much as possible. So our job in life is to really take advantage of the potential, maximize the potential, maximize every moment we can. There shouldn't be a single day in our lives that goes by that we didn't grow in some way. At, uh, people do cheshbon hanefesh at the end of the day. You sit in your bed and you ask yourself, what did I accomplish today? What could I have done better? What did I grow? Where didn't I grow? And then you restructure, recalibrate so that tomorrow becomes better than today. Don't live your life surviving. Live your life thriving, striving. Become more. Grow. Live with passion, live with excitement, fall in love with Hashem, fall in love with Torah, fall in love with mitzvahs. And if you have that mentality, that attitude, you will live the most amazing life. You don't give up this world for Olam Haba. The only way that you enjoy this world is when you're living a life of purpose and growth and meaning. And you're building a deeper connection with Hashem, a deeper understanding of the world, a deeper understanding of yourself, why you exist and what your purpose is. So Mazar Hashem will continue to develop these deep ideas and to develop a deeper understanding of who we are.